0: I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. If you're working as an accountant and you lose your job, nobody really notices. Leinster could have me five
1: mil a year, I wouldn't go. <laughs> it is Robbie Robbie weekly. Magic.
0: And we are back. Hello and welcome to the 42 Rugby Weekly. We're delighted to be up and running again after a short summer break. Murray Kinsella here and I hope all of you are keeping well and staying sane in these rather confusing times. Joining me to give everyone a bit of rugby relief today is the one and only Bernard Jackman. How are you, Birch?
1: Very good, thanks, Murray. Glad to be back talking rugby and with some games to actually preview. It's uh, it's been a long time, but uh, excited for the weekend.
0: Yeah, long overdue. Well, unfortunately, Gavin Casey is not with us today. Gav's down in Cork where they were battered by Storm Ellen last night. His electricity is still down at the moment, but happy to report that Gav is safe and well so everyone can rest easy there. He says hello to everyone. He got the garden furniture in last night, so he's doing all right. But we give our best wishes to everyone affected by the storm and all the power outages today. Well, Birch, so much to look forward to, as, as you say. Leinster v Munster Saturday evening. We have Ulster v Connacht on Sunday. Both games at the Viva Stadium behind closed doors. It's the restart of rugby. What should we? what should we expect from this what what excites you most?
1: well listen I'm just excited to see um how I suppose the four provinces and and the, the players within those have have handled this period of of five months of uh, you know very very limited activity um I do think, the chances of us getting, you know, classic free flowing games, or even games with massive intensity for, for long periods, um, unfortunately, is pretty low this weekend. Looking at, you know, how, how the return to play has has happened in Australia, New Zealand, and and even you know the Gallagher Premiership last weekend, there was a, a very stop start um, feel to the game, and that that consistency throughout ran consistency through all the matches, very low ball and play time. And that's normal. I mean, any of us who've been involved or um either as from a player coach or from a spectator point of view and we've gone to see our, our, our teams play preseason friendlies. Um, you know, by their nature they're very um very stop start, very error prone. And, you know, unfortunately the players are gonna have to get that match match readiness and, and get that, you know, game game fitness were in a in a competitive game this year, which is obviously uh, very unique. But look, at, I think there'll be no complaints from from them. They they've been eagerly eagerly awaiting the opportunity to get back on the field, and hopefully, it's a, it's another step towards some kind of return to normality.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Good word of caution there, I think, because even looking at the fallout from last weekend in the Premiership, you've seen Stephen Diamond calling for an end to scrums and stuff like that. But listen, there are going to be errors. There's going to be mistakes. It'll take a while to get fluidity back and it's going to be interesting to see who gets that fluidity quickest because we are straight into important rugby because you know in, in four weekends time we'll have a winner of the pro 14 and, and i'm going to put you on the spot because we got a, a question from good friend of the pod eric Fitzgerald. he asks who's going to win the pro 14 i just want a, a quick answer here Bert. what are you thinking let
1: and again obviously we're taking it on good faith they're going to bounce back but um they have shown that they've they are probably the most cohesive team. Um, they've the least in, uh, disruption, yeah. you know, least amount of recruitment. They've lost a couple of guys, but you'd have to say they were fringe players. And they just seem to seamlessly be able to put together a, a, a Max 23 and have very little effect on the performance. So, um, you know, you have to back them to, to finish it off now. Yeah,
0: I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to echo you there. It's it's hard to see past them at, at this moment in time. we got another question actually from Australia, from Steve Lentil. He's asking for our thoughts on Jack Goodhue losing his mullet. I'll take that one. It's devastating, Steve. It's not what we needed at the moment, but listen, we're here to focus on Irish rugby today. Birch, you're actually going to be there. Rugby riders won't be for, for the time being. Um, We discussed it in our Rugby Insiders newsletter for members of the 42 during the week. Um, the, the riders won't be there for this weekend, at least. But you'll be there analyzing it, and, and it'll be weird with no fans in the stadium. Are you expecting a very, very different experience?
1: Yeah, I am. But uh, in some ways, um, I'm kind of looking forward to being able to. I'm doing commentary and and uh, some some analysis for for Premier both days. But what I what I like about what I liked about some of the games I've watched that are behind closed doors, and particularly the NRL early doors, was was the ability just to hear the the chat on the field and um which is something that we don't usually get as as spectators so um you can hear the players who are real leaders and are given clarity and information and seeing the space in the backfield etc so um that's probably an added advantage now it's not it, it doesn't outweigh the disadvantage of not having a, a crowd there and you know munster enter the weekend you know in another life this would be a set out and a, and a rip roaring roaring atmosphere but uh um, it's definitely not ideal, but again, I just see this as you know another step um, on the stairs to hopefully getting back to what we what we uh, knew as, as 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 rugby fans.
0: Yeah, and for the rest of us watching on TV, we will have the crowd noise just to uh, remind people of that. It, it's it's only on the TV broadcast. The players don't hear it. There was actually, I think, a bit of chat from the RFU about actually getting it. Uh, put into the stadium but it just works with the the tv broadcast so the players are going to have to find that new energy they've all been discussing that challenge this week and i even felt in some of the premiership games you could see maybe were moments where the energy maybe dipped away and and players struggled for that that lift they'd usually get from supporters so definitely an interesting part of the challenge but as you say first up leinster and munster like what a fixture to start with and we'll start with discussing Lencer because they were on top when we when we took the break from Rugby. They'd won every game in this campaign their form had just been sensational and the depth of their squad was was really impressive no signings from outside in the meantime just to kind of update people on where they are five players promoted from the academy ryan baird who stood out obviously last season harry byrne who was also training with ireland jack dunn a second row tommy o'brien an outside back and dan Sheehan a hooker they've been promoted from the academy rob carney and fergus mcfadden stay on short-term deals but what do you think about that that uh, I suppose planning birch n- no new signings did they really need any? Do you think
1: no, I don't think they they needed anyone um there was no obvious gaps um you know you, you could probably say uh, it's important to note that they're going to lose Rob Kearney and fergus McFadden at the end of at the end of this season um and you know maybe there was a a call to recruit um from outside there as uh, as we spoke about before it was a very it was a buyer friendly market so um you know there was talent available this year late that was never available before and um i suppose all the provinces are probably pretty conscious of of making recruitment uh, moves you know late given the fact that they've asked players to to take a a pay cut you know it's a uh, like the Munster business was done pre covid um but i think if you're asking players and i know that's been a a bone of contention for for some clubs in 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 England and, and France, where you know they've been told the club are in a in a really bad place financially, and they've accepted uh, pay reductions and pay cuts and or pay deferrals. And next thing, you know, they they make a uh, high profile signing, which is um, obviously costing a lot of money. So I think Leinster have backed their academy, the have backed their current squad, and um, they always have been. Sorry, not always, but for the last probably. 6 or 7 years they've been very strategic in in their recruitment they've put the time in um and they have been very successful at getting the the right people and um you know i, I suppose okay they you know they haven't they didn't, they didn't weren't successful in in Europe last year um but they were very very close and um i think leo and Stuart and and felipe etc will will feel that the young players have the ability to become you know european cup winners um for for them and and that's 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 where they're at, and and they don't need any reinforcements.
0: Yeah, the young talent is always impressive stepping up, and usually gets a chance to come into a, a fairly cohesive team with a bit of experience around them, and that helps a huge amount rather than fifteen young guys being thrown back into it. Um, just to mention the departures: Joe Tamani's gone, Barry Daly is retired, Gavin Mullen has been released. Jack Andrews off to Connacht along with Oisín Dowling and Roman Salanoa is down to Munster. We actually got a question about Brian Byrne. I'll, I'll just ask you as a quick aside. He's off to Bristol on a permanent deal and Owen Mullen was on to us. He says, thoughts on Brian Byrne starting for Bristol last weekend. Great player, still with a lot of potential to fulfil. Could Bernard see him coming back to the to an Irish province in a few years and maybe challenging for international caps?
1: Um, yeah, yeah, definitely has the potential. I follow Brian. He's a, he's a carter man. Um, he was, uh, I've been watching him since he played in school with Klangos. He was an unbelievable schools player. And I think he's, you know, he's done a great job and he's been a brilliant professional for uh, for Leinster and, and a squad player. And that's no, um, you know, that's no slight on him. It's just the level of competition um, in Leinster with obviously Cronin and Richard Strauss uh, before him and, and obviously now Kelleher. It has been hard for him. And I think for his own career to move uh, to move away and and hopefully become first choice in in Bristol. And that's going to be very hard. I mean, you know, Harry Thacker, um is a is an excellent uh, hooker over there, and they've got a young player whose name escapes me at the moment. come to their academy that they they really rate and and, and have high expectations for. But um, the most important thing for for a player like Brian is is game time, and and um, obviously he was getting some game time at Leinster, but probably not enough. And um, I would love to see him take this opportunity. I think it's great. I mean, he went to. The background to it is he went to Bristol on trial. Um, I think he was on one match day twenty three, and next thing there was uh, there was lockdown. But he showed enough at training, um, and particularly in his attitude, that they, I suppose, they followed through and and gave him a, a full time contract f- for this year, which is testament to the impact he had. And uh, um, yeah, Bristol are going places. <laughs> they're going to be uh, contenders for silverware in the in the Challenge Cup and the, and the Premiership. And um, maybe next year in the in the European Cup and and the Premiership again. So he's in the right place and uh, yeah, I, he could come back and definitely I think you know his his goal will be to come back, um, but to come back as a first choice somewhere uh, down the road.
0: Yeah, definitely. Always good to see the Irish guys abroad doing well. And um, just back to Leinster the, on the injury front, Fergus McFadden unfortunately has picked up an injury. By all accounts, he was flying and absolutely smashed his Bronco test in pre season, was looking really good. He's out for six weeks, so there. Hopefully, he'll get back and play before his. Short-term contract runs out. James Ryan had a, a, a surgery on his shoulder during the summer. He's out until next month, hopefully back for the Saracens quarter-final in the Champions Cup. Adam Byrne, unfortunately, is out for a few months with a hamstring injury. They have Vak Abdeladze trying to resolve a long-term back injury and Conor O'Brien as well with a hamstring injury. He's had surgery on a long-standing issue and he's going to be missing for a couple of months. But when you look at th- that settled squad Bernard, where where do you see scope for for Leinster improve? Because that's what they'll be looking at. They linked up, as everyone's probably heard, with, with Crusaders in pre in, in, in the summer and and the two coaching teams worked together on what sounded like a fascinating project. Where do you think Leinster will will identify room for improvement in their own game?
1: Yeah, I think well the, what I understand is the big area they were looking at with the Crusaders was um I suppose, how to reset the, the defence and um, a big focus on, on that transition attack, transition defence. And I think kicking to create opportunities for um, for this org, which is the French call it, but uh, chaotic situations. And uh, uh, so I expect them to to be looking a little bit more to that. So if you think about Leinster last year, um, what was really impressive about them was their breakdown. um I suppose, efficiency and ability to, want to wear teams down and, and go go 15-plus phases and force penalties or or force errors um, and exploit that. So they were quite like Exeter in terms of their, you know, if they got into your 22, you knew you were in, in big trouble. Um, I think what we've learned from New Zealand rugby is that the breakdown now is, is probably more... Sorry, it's more in favour of the defence than it was. It's obviously still in favour of the attack um but potentially that high rook race um attacking style might not necessarily um be the best way forward so they they may kick earlier in in possession um with a view to forcing um you know a, an attacking set piece in the opposition 22 through through a smart kick and chase and, and obviously having a line-out to launch off then and their maul is very strong or you know they may kick to force you know, um, an infield kick, and then obviously look to to launch and, and use their their exciting backs, looking for mismatches. So I think that's probably um, what they were looking at. Uh, how much they take on board straight away, and how much they um, they're able to, how quickly they're able to get that up to speed, on whether that's something that they look at for post post uh, November when they get all the internationals back and there's more there's more uh, of a settled. Um, uh, I suppose squad uh, the season but I think we will see I think we will see at early doors uh, um, I think this pre is always your best chance to, to start to implement um, new strategies and uh, it's going to be it's going to be fascinating to see you know how how they evolve and whether it's effective Yeah
0: breakdown in general as you say it's been really key point of the rugby that has resumed and we've seen increasing trends, like side entry is completely out. And I think you're actually seeing player behaviour change. I've seen a couple of guys hesitate on those angles in the last couple of weeks. Obviously, the Jackal has to get a tug on the ball, but if they do, they're going to get rewarded with a, a penalty earlier. Um, so definitely good for player welfare. And, and just interesting to see how how well set the provinces are for that. In terms of personnel with Leinster, you can't look beyond the back row if you're looking at their, their depth. Let me just run through the options here. Rhys Roddick, Jack Conan, Josh van der Fleer, Dan Levy, Max Deegan... Josh Murphy, Caitlin Dorris, Will Connors and Scott Penny. I mean, it's it's a, a wealth of riches. How how do you pick that, Bernard? Do you have a, a, in your mind, do you have a, a front choice, a first choice rather, Leinster back row?
1: Look, I think there will be, um, there will be a first choice, but Leo will be and, and Stuart will be excited to less, um, let guys pitch for that and um, I don't think there'll be, they'll have their mind made up on it yet. They'll use the next three or four weeks to see you know who's in form, and that's the challenge for, I suppose, for Jack Conan and um, uh, and Dan, who've come back from from injuries. Obviously, Dan, longer term. You know, Rhys Rulloch is is a phenomenal player, but he's he's had spells in and out. And uh, you know, the likes of Kieran Doris who was unbelievably consistent last year. Max Deegan, but um, they you know they say in Leinster, you know, have one eye on on the on the guy in front of you but have, you know, try and have two eyes on the guy behind you. And I think that's <laughs> that's the case, um, whether it's from the academy or whether it's from, you know, senior players. Um, you know, Will Connors has done phenomenally well. Um, you know, but Scott Penny has been incredibly impressive, the opportunity he's got and, and we know Josh Van Fleer is probably the you know, well, it was the first choice seven. So it's just that internal competition seems to I think it's a huge key factor in in Lens consistency and, and their success. So um you know Leo and, and as I said, we'll look to have a, a first choice back row as soon as possible. But given where we're coming from, I think it's everyone starting at at zero again and um you know it's a great place to be for a coach. And obviously with that quality and there's and there's such a little, such little difference between any of them he can pick and choose, you know, uh for certain games depending on the opposition's strengths and weaknesses. But uh yeah, it's phenomenal and also in terms of the recruitment. I mean, um, you know, apparently when Leinster look at an academy player and they're making a decision whether he goes into development contract and senior contract, you know, the whole question mark is can that player help us win a European Cup? And to to be honest, you know, if you're asking that, the player has to have serious potential. Um whereas another professional franchises or, or Outfits sometimes when you're making that decision. You're just thinking can you fill a gap? You know, can he actually play? Four or five games for me in the pro 14 this year and I can save some budget for you know for recruitment somewhere else or or whatever and you know and I'm looking at the five, you know the five guys you mentioned, you know definitely Ryan Baird, you know not just Leinster believe he can play for Ireland and definitely can help them win a European Cup and um, you know Dan Sheen, the Hooker as well, is 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 already being seen as one of those type players. So that probably leads into you know why they haven't gone out and recruited. Um, but it's uh, it's a great place to be.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. And it's it's so exciting in, in a range of positions. I would love to see a Levy, Doris, and Conan back row because I think Doris has the line-out skills now to cover that base. But anyway, you configure it; it's it's ridiculous. Last one I want to get your opinion on was just behind Johnny Sexton. There's going to be a nice little tussle for for game time and for minutes. Ross Byrne has been the the clear backup, obviously, but his brother Harry, who we mentioned, is a real talent. And Kieran Frawley's one not to be ignored either. A really good atle- athletic specimen. What do you make of that battle? Who who do you see nudging um, just in behind Johnny in, in, on that front?
1: Yeah, I'd I back Ross. Um, I think Ross is um really influential behind the scenes as well as being a, a very good um you know big game temperament player on a on a on a Saturday and um you know if, if you look at how Johnny influences um how how Leinster play and you know more so than just the touches he gets it's just um how he makes sure they're playing the right areas, how he makes sure people are set in position um early and and react quickly to to where the call comes from, you know Ross does that as well. Plus, he's a proven big game uh, goal kicker. Um, I think he's he's definitely ahead of the other two. Uh, and you know, I think Harry's going to be you know fascinating to see him develop. Um, you know, really talented. And Frawley has been Frawley's been excellent. I mean, in a lot of other places, Frawley would be pushing to be number one. Um, but for me, it's clear cut: Johnny number one, and and Ross number two, and um, the other two learning and developing um, as they go
0: yeah absolutely it'll be fascinating to see a Munster uh, pitch up this weekend a lot of movement here in in this squad in terms of some big name signings everyone knows it by now Orji Snyman and Damien Dialende. Mac Alher's come in from Saracens and as you mentioned Roman Salanoa's come down from Munster they do have academy graduates of their own Jack O'Sullivan a really promising back row Liam Coombs out in the wing Alec Alex McHenry, he's a centre. Keenan Knox at title prop, and Deemer Barron at hooker. But it's all about those World Cup winners, Bernard. It doesn't get much better than this in terms of recruitment.
1: No, it's it's incredible, and I think it's just what Munster um, they needed, and it's a real sign of um, the ambition of the of the Munster branch and the IRFU and whoever else has got involved in in finance in this that they they want to get back at the um the top level of, of of european rugby and um you know i think they needed they needed this they'd just fallen a little bit short listen still very successful and 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 a and a, and a team that no one wanted to play and, and their consistency of getting to knockout stages um you know proves that but they had lost i suppose that aura of invincibility and um they were just found a little bit a little bit short and and you know two players um of the age profile um the quality uh that they've brought in is, is phenomenal. Plus it won't be just on their on their heads. I mean, we have to remember that um you know the coaching staff uh came late last year. Um it was a World Cup year and I think it was always going to be this year that the you know the new additions um you know Larkham and uh um and Roundtree they needed that summer. Now having said that it wasn't a normal preseason in terms of time on the pitch, but you know by all accounts you know munster we you know we spoke about Leinster you know tying up with the crusaders um but I also you know from what I believe Munster were very creative and and used that time really well. Um, where they couldn 't actually have face to face meetings with the with the players um through zoom calls through little breakout rooms through projects around you know strategy et cetera, and I think they will have learned a huge amount off the field um you know in march april may um and the coaches give the coaches a great opportunity to to help i suppose implement you know their philosophy on on the game. And now, you know, as, as they get back onto the field, it'll be a case of, of putting it into place, but you've got, you know, you've got two players who, who potentially, um, you know, match winners. And, um, you know, I, uh, Honda Heath was, was Lyman's club, I think, was it in the yeah yeah, Pan and, um, uh, yeah, I, uh, the coach there, um, uh, the coach, uh, was in our, was in our coaching group. And he, he was just saying, I mean, you know, it was easy design, you know, plays or, or or patterns when you had him at the end of it because even effectively if the defence were in place, um, he was he was capable of of making line breaks or or getting offloads. And uh, he said if there was one player he could have kept, it would have been um, it would have been RG. So, uh, yeah, really looking forward to seeing him. And uh, yeah, it's you know, I think it'll give everyone in Munster a monster confidence as well in the in the playing squad. And you know, I remember two thousand nine when I was part of the Lencer squad when we signed the Seaw. Rocky Elsom and CJ Van der that summer, and even though we had like already world class players like you know Driscoll, Condon, Pony, etc., Malcolm McKelly and uh, you know we had loads of guys who Shane Horgan. Um, it just basically gave everyone a pep in their step. And you know when you're going out walking out the tunnel and you, and you see players of that caliber in front of you, I think it it gives everybody um, more more confidence as well as being able to you know have moments in games where they make things happen
0: yeah absolutely it'll be interesting to see how it affects how Munster actually can play tactically as well because along with the physicality like by all accounts Snyman's actually a quite enough guy off the pitch but he certainly makes a big physical impact but his offloading and, and passing ability I mean you talk about world class that, that's a real X factor and DLND as well has that to his game the ability to put width on the ball that wasn't always used potentially by the box at the World Cup but, but it's there so fascinating to see how they affect things tactically uh, in terms of exits from Munster a good bit of movement Arno Bota has gone back to the Blue Bulls Sammy Arnold and Connor Oliver are off to Connacht as is Alex Wooten on a, a season long loan a couple other guys leaving Sean O'Connor and Kieran Parker off to Reds and, and Darren O'Shea has gone to France good to see Jack Stafford another guy who's gone abroad to Quinns on a short term deal and hopefully he'll pick up something there on the injury front there's only one talking point to, to start with here Joey Carberry as everyone's seen has ruled out for an indefinite period a setback with his ankle injury and this is just like it's horrific for the guy he's had a tired time even when you think back to the turmoil of, of changing provinces. That was a really tough time in his life. That settled down, and now he's just had the the injury travails, hamstring issues. Now the ankle, uh, since last year, this time last year really, and, and a wrist injury thrown in there as well. Only 17 appearances for Munster since he moved. Bernard, I mean, first of all, you have to feel for the guy, obviously, but are there question marks maybe around why he went to the World Cup and, and that being the wrong decision?
1: Yeah, look, in hindsight... Um... It definitely seems as if that was the wrong decision, and it's, um and has definitely caused him to to miss um, a lot longer. But it's a World Cup, you know, and it's a World Cup that he was going to play a um, a big role for Ireland, uh, either as a you know a stand-in for Johnny for certain games or coming off the bench. And uh, um, I can understand completely, you know, why that decision was made. And, and sometimes you can make those decisions and, and get away with it. So. Um, it's definitely something that we're all wiser about in hindsight. But the, I actually think it's really good news, to be honest. It, the way they've handled it, it's obviously horrendous news for him and for Munster. But just basically, you know, give him time and put your set your stall out and say, look, he's not going to play for um, in a definite period of time, and take the pressure off him and let him carry on um, with his rehab and just come right uh, uh, because he's still very young um he still has a lot of rugby ahead of him and you know I, i've noticed some 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 of my friends and people have been chatting to you know kind of jumping to the conclusion that oh carby's finished i mean that's nonsense uh he's going through a patch where a period of time where you know his body is isn't isn't playing ball with him um but you know these injuries are are are, are definitely uh fixable i mean you know the advance in medical science the advance in rehab um you know, are are incredible even to where they were four or five years ago. So and the RFU are, you know, excellent at, at managing um these injuries and, and they'll see the best people in the world. Um and I have no doubt that he, he will come back from it. Um but it's just a case of, of of being patient and uh um if you look at the Levy injury, that was a far worse injury um, you know than, than Joey's had. Um and by all accounts he's he's on he's on track and, and and looking great and uh but he's had time and um you know it's just a case of, of Joey not to have any more false starts and potentially the lesson learned is is to give it time and not try and rush back for for a game, you know, four or five weeks away, which because it's an important game or because you want to play and um this I suppose this clarity now around he's out for an indefinite period um i think it would be great for him mentally as well and just just take the pressure off of short-term goals and uh, and look at the medium to long term which for him long term is the next seven or eight years uh, at least so um yeah it's it's a bit of a blow but um i think from a from a long-term point of view for munster and ireland it's more important that he comes back and and has the all the right rehab done
0: Yeah, still only 24. And as you say, that lifting of the pressure, the indefinite period, I think, is a a clever thing to do because he's not got that target. It was supposed to be the start of September. Then it got pushed back slightly. It just eases things on him. But like I also, I mean, playing with injuries is is part and parcel of rugby. We know that everyone's always carrying a niggle. Hopefully now at this stage, people have have cleared a lot of them. But that playing through pain, it's just not a good thing in rugby, in, in my opinion. This is another example of it. Like he got a pretty bad ankle injury and, and we should we should underline that Joey Carbery want, himself wanted to go to that World Cup, you know. Obviously there was hope and pressure possibly from from Ireland to get him back in there because he was such an important player to the squad. But he also wanted to push himself to to make that. But I think players listening to their bodies when they're when they're playing through that kind of pain, which to me was very evident in the World Cup. Joey Carbery wasn't himself. He obviously pulled out of the Russia game. When he got on the pitch, you didn't see that same footwork. You didn't see that same confidence. Um, and it's just not it's, you're not able to play as the player you are and, and then this can often cause longer term issues and, and set you back so probably lessons all, all, all over the board but as you say the key point is he's 24 he has time now to get it right and, and get back Munster will have an interesting challenge at out half JJ and now start to are set to continue as the senior out half we got a question from uh, Niall Collins um, because well basically he says do you see Munster bringing in out half cover they have Ben Healy Jake Flannery and jack crowley in their academy what do you think bernard is there enough quality and potential there or, or do they need a signing or do you see them trying to make a signing you
1: know, I, I i'd like to see them um give those give those players the the opportunity if they're needed upon if 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 something happened to to jj you know if he was to be out for three or four months then i think it's a different argument but um you know it's it's incredible that they've got three out halves who uh, in their academy system um who are all as promising um, uh, as they are and it's great but it's so unfortunate they're all in the same position um, but look at I, I think that they will try and give them the opportunity because even though they said Joey's out for an indefinite period of time you know you'd like to hope that you know definitely the turn of the year um, he will be back and um, and it's a great opportunity for JJ to be the senior 10 um, and he's a very talented player as well and and uh, you know maybe with that kind of clarity that he's number one and not looking over his shoulder. Um and also, as I said, you know, the the extra time he's he's had to spend with Larkham and the quality that's now outside him in, um with Chris Farla and, and Delande in, in particular or or Scandal and just that you know, I suppose level of level of, of chat and, and communication and confidence he's going to get from from his outside backs. I mean Munster have a great backline I I think on on paper. Um, and JJ should be able to able to to do a cracking job with, with them. So I, I wouldn't foresee them going to the transfer market unless unless something happened to him, to be honest.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And I, I don't think it would be a good thing if, if the RFU... I can't see the RFU signing off on that, to be honest. And I, I don't think it would be a good thing. We've had lots of those kind of short-term signings. Some of them great. You've seen someone like Albie Matthews make a big, big impact. But there have been ones who haven't made any impact at all. And that as you say, your academy should be there to provide players who are, are good enough. And I think it would be brilliant to see uh, some of those young guys back and get more minutes on the pitch we actually got another question on, in that regard because like this is the positive thing around Munster their, their academy looks really promising and the young players who are coming in on, on senior contracts look really promising Brendan McKeating was on to us and asks will Munster finally start to trust their own academy products in big games rather than give the Clutes and Hollands etc more game time well actually Billy Holland to be fair to him is an academy product and a very proud one at that but I mean th- this is a good question because the youth pipeline now it looks really good, Bernard. Who who stands out to you in that regard that could potentially be ready to to push on and start the big games rather than just those the the Pro Fourteen away or whatever it is.
1: Yeah, I really like Hodnett, John Hodnett. Um, I know it's a it's an area that's um, it's it's competitive, but for me, he's someone uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm really excited about. Craig Casey as well. They be the two um, that I think can go and and put pressure. on. obviously, Craig has to has to you know has to oust um Conor Murray and, and get ahead of of Nick McCarthy but I just think he has something you know from watching them play under 20s um hardness um has had you know some games for, for Munster where he's really um you know caught the eye and they uh, are the two that that I'm probably most excited about and I do think you know the Munster Academy does have um some some more depth to it now than before and and um, I suppose you know to say, "Oh, will Munster give them the opportunities?" In fairness to you know the coaches, um, they have to warrant that too. I mean, you're coaching Munster; you're you're expected to to win silverware. So um, you know, it's not a case just of, of of having a development mindset. They have to be ready to go on a on a Saturday and and help you win. And I think now there's more players in that Munster Academy uh, set up, and we've seen an improvement in the numbers coming, you know, getting representative honours. Um, we've seen an improvement in terms of the, some of the results at under-20s in provincials, et cetera. So I think it's not a, it's in as bad a place as, as maybe it's said to believe. In terms of what's there now, obviously, you know, the challenge for Munster is to make sure that that conveyor belt is really consistent and they don't have a fallow period like maybe they had, you know, for the last... Six or seven years where there was a real drop off in quality, but um, yeah, for me Casey and Hodden would be the two. What about you?
0: Yeah, I'm, like Thomas Hearn, I'm obviously Waterford biased, but he's shown his abilities. A really interesting athletic um, development in terms of being a back three player. He's got pace, he's got mobility. He's also got that like he kind of reminds me of Simon in a in, in a way in terms of being able to offload and and pass the ball and his comfort on that. Really excellent for the Ireland under twenties, and I just think it's good to get players from those different backgrounds. Like West Cork is now literally a production line. We've spoken about the Limerick issue and, and let's not go there again because we've covered it in depth. They definitely need to sort that out. But to be getting the guys from Waterford, himself and and O'Connor's another one in the Academy is just brilliant for, for Munster and totally agree with you. That the quality is there now and um definitely the, the coaches are in a good place to back them. So interesting to see how that pans out and indeed how Saturday pans out. Munster Leinster, it's a 735 pm kickoff on Air Sport then on Sunday it's a four thirty p.m. kickoff for Connacht Ulster. This is a really fascinating fixture, Bernard. Tough to call.
1: Yeah, it's tough to call. On on last year's form, um, you know, you couldn't you couldn't uh, question Ulster's right to win. But uh, um, I think last year was a really tough year for friend, Andy Friend. I mean, he's you know he's had to rebuild a squad, probably the. The hangover not the hangover but the end of the pat lam era really um you know with a lot of the the stalwarts for him um finishing up obviously there's still some some there but looking to recruit over over the summer um they had a huge injury crisis um you know around early doors when it was a great opportunity for them to get some points with with the other teams being um more hampered with world cup uh requirements etc and they just you know their injuries um you know the injury list was, was horrendous and they didn't get really the, the momentum and run that they, they would have liked. And uh um you know I, I it's definitely probably a new kind of team we're gonna see uh, on Sunday, but I think it'll take a while to gel. Um and I still think Ulster I don't think Ulster are far away from Silverware to be honest. I think if Ulster um you know were to, to get into a into a, a final um they could easily win it. And uh, uh, you know uh, even against leinster on their day i think um they can they can match anybody and uh, uh, so I, I would say ulster will based on last year i think ulster um should be good enough to get the win
0: yeah i mean let's dig into the connacht squad then they've got as you say a really freshened up squad depth was the issue i think it's going to be interesting to see if they've solved that issue there's been a lot of turnover but there's probably more unknown about the, the squad. They brought in Sammy Arnold. He's going to be really pumped up. He he turned down a deal in Munster to go to Connacht and, and back himself to play more minutes. Connor Oliver will be looking for the same. We mentioned Oshin Dowling coming down second row from, from Leinster. Unfortunately, he's injured at the moment, but really promising. Jack Ainger at tight head. Wooten, who we mentioned on loan, and apparently who's been really good in training, looks really quick and athletically back to his best. The the two most interesting ones, though, for me, are Abram Papali from New Zealand and Ben O'Donnell from the Aussie Sevens. Uh, Papali just arrived, and o- O'Donnell's going to be delayed. But again, they could be explosive signings, Bernard. But I mean, we just don't really know, particularly with Papali, Papali who they're hoping is that big number eight, who who they really need it.
1: Yeah, he's a he's a wild card. Um, obviously very talented. His highlights real. is you know is is uh, exceptionally exciting. Um, has played you know quite a bit of rugby league um has dipped in and out. You know, I spoke to someone who worked with him at Bay of Plenty and um they released him. You know, they were happy to, to release him to get this opportunity um the Northern Hemisphere. And they struggled a little bit with uh, with getting him fit, get him you know, get him consistent in his work rate. Um but again, you know, the message was if he got that right, he'd be a hell of a player. And and I suppose that's what Andy Friend and that's probably what Connor have to do. Um, you know, even taking you know taking in the players you mentioned you know, one on loan, other players from from uh, from Munster and Leinster with a point to prove, um, and they need to give them the environment where I suppose they find that that extra, you know, ten percent. That's definitely there. I mean, all those players that you mentioned and Papali in, uh, included, um, they have the talent to be, you know, effective, you know, pro players. It's just a case of, I suppose, uh, filling in the blanks, and you know. And and also we need to understand, I mean, Pabli was in a full time environment in in, in in rugby league, but the the way the ITM Cup works, or the Minor Ten Cup works, it's you know, it, it, it's very much a mixture of part time and then full time for a short period. And and um I think the the level of conditioning and, and the the intensity of the program in, in, in Connacht um will definitely help him and uh you know likes of Johnny O'Connor and um the fitness staff there will see him as a as a real rough diamond and to look to polish it, but they do need they do need him to be good you know realistically um they need him to be effective and uh you know when you look at you know look at likes of you know jack Conan you mentioned Kaelan Doris, um you know uh Katsia and ulster those big eights um who who battered away over the gain line and um Conant have a very you know nice uh, intricate attacking uh, game but it's built on like a, it has to be on front football and um, last year they just didn't get enough of that to to be effective so even though he's probably not expensive even though um, you know uh, it's it, it's 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 probably a bit of a gamble um, unfortunately I think a lot of their hopes will rest on him being a um, a success which which sounds very harsh but that's just that's just the nature of it and and i i, I admire andy friend and, and tim tim on for for backing their their good instinct and, and going with them and um because they could have got you know there's there's guys like josh strauss or, who's on, who are on the market now who are um you know proven and, and they mightn't necessarily work just um but it'd be a safer bet but they've they've gone with their with their instinct and uh yeah i hope it i hope it pays off I hope, I hope it works out
0: yeah, again, more academy players uh, promoted. Jordan Duggan, Peter Sullivan, Sean Masterson, Niall Murray, Connor Dean, Colin Riley, loads of talent there. Connacht have lost some good players. Colby Fanga, first and foremost, he's gone to Leon. What a brilliant signing he was. I thought one of the best foreign players in Ireland in in recent years. Really excellent. Tom McCartney as well as retired. Kyle Godwin, we've seen playing over in Australia. He's joined Western Force. Um, Robin Copeland's gone and, and a number of players released, some of them more surprisingly, like Neo Nee Adilokan and, and Dara Leader, etc. Um the, the the challenge I think for Connacht Burner, I'd be interested to get your take on it as a coach. They come into these two interpros, and then they've basically got to wait six weekends later for the new Pro 14 season. How how do you manage that? You're building up for a quick blast of games and then you're easing back down. It must be a challenge in even in terms of S and C.
1: No, oh, it will be, yeah, for sure. I mean, and uh, also um, I don't think the players will have had as much conditioning fitness, uh, sorry, collision fitness as they normally would going into the start of the season. Um, uh, because of restrictions and and working in bubble or training in, in, in pods and bubbles. so for Connacht, you know, they know they're going to get another six weeks to to kind of restart again. And and um, and I think they will see that as another mini preseason. Um, whereas Ulster, you know, uh, and Leinster. Um, are a little bit and are a little bit different in that you know they they've got something else to hopefully hopefully play for so uh it's it is very difficult again but it's since this whole uh pandemic came in you know the s and c coaches the head coaches have been you know reacting on the hoof um the the barometers and the, and the guidelines have changed consistently and all they're trying to do is you know um use whatever data they have and their own their own experience and feedback from from players and you know tapping into probably what some of the super rugby teams in new zealand who were a little bit ahead of us or a long way ahead of us actually um, have done what's worked what hasn't and, and trying to adapt and you know connor you know to have two games and then go back into a six-week block um is is unheard of in, in my time but you know they'll they'll have a plan for it and, and they'll hope that they come out of that in a better shape than the Teams who've been playing knockout rugby and um, and uh, you know have got better power scores, better endurance scores, and maybe will be fresher at the end of the season because of it.
0: Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to follow their key men as well. I mean, Kieran Marmion still going to be battling with Quelin Bade Bay at scrum half, but he's got a point to prove, and, and Jack Carti was looking resurgent just before the lockdown he kind of found his form after what was a really tricky period post World Cup fascinating to see how they lead things I mean they've set out their targets for the 2020-21 season Bernard they're they're going for a Champions Cup knockout and and a Pro 14 semi-final to to start with do you think that's realistic do you think they have the squad strength to hit those targets
1: look I think that'd be overachieving based on the resource they have but um, you know for sure they can pull it off I think they've got a very good coaching team um, I think Andy Friend is a is a really good uh, guy at the at the front end of that, and then you know Nigel and and uh, Nigel Carroll and Jimmy Duffy, um, you know, probably are a little bit um, underrated, probably globally. You know, or, or, uh, there's not as much chat about them, but um, you know, when you drill down into into what they do with with the players they have, I think um, you know they're they're very effective, and then that's. That, that that is an overachieving for them in terms of probably spend, but you know I I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't doubt them. Just going back to, you know we're talking about we didn't mention Ben O'Donnell the Australian seven star um, mm. very much. I mean he's and we spoke about you know Abraham uh, Papa Papali uh, like Tom McCarthy and um, and Kobe Fianga probably weren't the high end recruits. You know very respectable uh, CVs in, in in Super Rugby, but came over here. And, you know, had a huge Im- influence. And so they, they have done it before. Um, and, you know, I, I, I'd like to hope that Ben O'Donnell and, and uh, Papalini Papa will will have that kind of impact.
0: Yeah, it'd be brilliant to see Connacht get on a run. Uh, everyone remembers the, the glory days under Pat Lamb really well and hopes for more of the same. Up in Ulster, meanwhile, Dan McFarland into his, his third season in charge. The dark days are very much behind the province. They're now looking... At a Pro 14 semi-final, if they don't botch it in the next couple of weeks, and a Champions Cup quarter-final away to Toulouse next month, also second season in a row into the knockouts in Europe. What stands out to you about the job he's done? Like, what has he done well to change the direction in Ulster? Look,
1: he he, he picked them up and gave them, um, gave them a vision, gave them a, a strategy, kind of clarity around their, their game plan when they were at an all-time low. And um, you know, I think the crowds and the belief and the in the Ulster rugby uh, fraternity, will will start to build. Um, you know they were in a very dark place, and um, you know he's he's developed. Uh, I suppose you know their defence through Jared Payne, who's someone um, who I've been really really impressed with, and and uh, you know it's great to see a player you know who obviously his career was should cut short get the opportunity to to transition into coaching uh, and and do such a, a good job. But definitely that's that's you know, with some strong mentorship and guidance from, from Dan. Um their set piece has has improved, but not probably the level that you know Dan will will expect to and um it can still sometimes have, have some blips, but he will fix that. I mean he's an unbelievable technician. Uh and they just seem to be in a really good place. And it, it's um you know it's testament to the whole work culture have done probably off the field and, and a change of a change of leadership. But they do seem to be be on track and um you know i still think back to that that quarter final defeat to to leinster in in uh in the european in, uh cup where in the viva where you know they were so unlucky not to not to beat them there and, and that was probably you know a little bit of a, a false stone in terms of where they were really at uh, like to be european contenders i think you you, you need to um build over a couple of years really unless you go out and you know get it get a checkbook out and, and Ulster have, you know, have have spent money in the right places, but they're um, you know, there's a lot of uh you know Irish qualified players in there and some young players probably coming through the Academy who who, you know, who you'd like to think will have big futures for for Ulster and, and um I think one of those Ballakloon is is unfortunately injured. But I've been really impressed with the way he's come through. And I think that's probably something that Dan has to get credit for as well in terms of how how he's managed that, you know, transition from some of those young, talented academy players, and and their development stage, and now becoming, you know, um, you know, proper senior players, and we credit Leinster a lot for that, and they do it unbelievably well. But I think Ulster starting to uh, to show signs of being pretty effective in that area as well.
0: Yeah, definitely, and I think looking towards next season, obviously they're in they're in position this season to compete, and and next season just put themselves back in that mix into a quarterfinal, into a semifinal in the Pro Fourteen, and they have real quality in in key positions. John Cooney has moved to a new level, obviously in the last couple of years, as you mentioned before. Kutsia, clear of injury, has just been phenomenal. Stuart McCloskey, an exceptional player for Ulster, real maturity to his game. He's rounded out his passing, his offloading, obviously is a real strength and and obviously physically as well so they've got those big kind of totem poles in their team as you mentioned a pity to Balakoon injured a hamstring avulsion really nasty injury tearing it off the bone and unfortunately Ian Henderson's going to be out until what mid to late October we think with with after a, a hip surgery so they're going to be missing their captain and, and others will have to step up in that regard Will Addison unfortunately is still rehabbing that back injury he's had issues down the kind of hamstring and back for quite a while but we know how good he can be and and how exciting a player he is um a couple like I mean it's a very settled squad and I think that's one of the reasons I'm positive about Ulster is that Dan McFarland has, has put together this squad that he really likes and and didn't feel the need for great change the two new signings from outside are Ian Madigan and Albie Matthewson with Stuart Moore really promising centre he's stepping up from the academy but how much of an impact do you think that uh, Madigan and Matthewson will have, and, and there's already talk about Ian Madigan pushing back into the Ireland contention. Do you think that's possible, Bernard?
1: Yeah, it's possible if he gets ahead of, um, of Burns, obviously, who's been um, very much earmarked as, as you know, been been someone that that uh, Andy Farrell will will lean on over the course of his tenure. So yeah, I think it's it's really smart to be able to get two uh, halfbacks of the experience of. Of Madigan and Matchison, I mean, you know, it's it's no secret that Munster would like to keep him. Um, he's a brilliant guy on and off the field, and you know, with Cooney now being, I suppose, part of the Irish setup, um, to have a, another international um, quality uh, nine when he's away, and likewise, if even if 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 Madigan doesn't get ahead of Burns or doesn't get back in the Irish squad, um, just having you know a nine and ten of that quality and experience to. To help you, you know, win games uh, during international periods, which we know this year um, is going to be a little bit longer with the uh, with the Autumn Cup. So, brilliant signings, um, and again, you know, wouldn't be cheap and, and a sign that the. Um, that the Munster bran- or the Ulster branch and and the RFU are are really giving Dan and, and his and his squads the the resources to go and and and, and try and push on to the next level and maybe they're coming in like we've all been talking up Munster as been uh, as been you know next in line for silverware now with the two World Cup winners but uh, I'd love to see a battle between Ulster and and, and Munster in a in in a four or five weeks when both teams have settled down to to see what the pecking order is there and I'm not sure. Ulster would be far behind. Um, I think they've um, they're making really really solid progress and uh, uh, and aren't far away now from being you know uh, a top four team in Europe.
0: Yeah, some really shrewd signings. I'm actually just looking at our questions on Twitter, and Ian Madigan has given his stamp of approval to Brian Byrne from one of the questions we got. He said Bristol Bears are very lucky to have him. So fascinating to see how Madigan uh, and Matheson make an impact there. And I, I totally agree with you about the positivity for for Ulster. You mentioned there. The, the autumn schedule. I've one quick question on Ireland that we got in. Like it is is still a long way off. They're they're gonna have a really busy schedule. The the postponed Italy and France games are in late October. Then we're into the new eight nations competition in November. Ireland are gonna be playing England, Wales, Fiji from what we understand in the in the pool stages, and then a playoff game in early December. Still to be confirmed and announced, but it looks like a pretty magic lineup. The the question around Ireland we got is from our good mate Don O'Sullivan down in Limerick. He says Long-term, what is to be gained by playing Sexton in the autumn series of games? He might not make the World Cup. We'll definitely not start the Six Nations. And we have zero experience there as back up. To keep playing him now is counterproductive, in my opinion. We know that we know what he can do. New Zealand have two of the best tens at present, and neither of them knows who will start. Which, to be fair, Ian Foster is kind of stoked a bit. Surely, it's a better scenario than Ireland having only one. I'd love to hear your thoughts on him being omnipresent. What do you reckon, Birch?
1: Well, I don't think um, it's it's sure he won't play next Six Nations. Uh, um, Like he's the best man for the job. I I do think, though, um, you know the uh, the list the the the, the tweets or the, the, the. the suggestion is right. I do think the Autumn Cup has to be an opportunity um, to to develop some some new players and, and improve our squad depth for for next year's Six Nations. And uh, it is going to be interesting. Obviously, it's unlikely now Carberry will be will be there, so um, it's going to be interesting to see who steps up. And and you know Burns, Madigan, whoever gets first choice in Ulster will be will be there thereabouts. Uh, and I was really pleased to see Jack Carthy bounce back um as you mentioned you know pre-lockdown and you know let's not forget he went to the world cup based on his form um and you know he fired that blip after world cup um you know we we should we should remember that he was someone that we we thought would would you know potentially be johnny's uh successor so yeah it is going to be interesting I, i think fire will be very aware i think their priority will be to try and they still believe they can win the six nations or or finish high as possible in that so i think for italy and france you know it'll be a very much short term focus but i would like to hope that um during those three games in in the autumn cup um without obviously uh, jeopardizing our chance of 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 getting through um that we would look at a little bit of um i suppose squad management and 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 have a look for the future
0: yeah definitely and i think the, the onus is on the other players you've mentioned there Burn, Burns, Carty, Harry Byrne even, Madigan, Carberry if he does get fit or whenever because the the best Johnny Sexton I can remember in recent times is when he was under a bit of pressure you know you think of him going after Carberry down in Tone Park that was a clear sign that he had almost respect for this guy that he knew that this guy's a threat and and when Carberry was fully fit and flying I think that brings out the best in in Sexton obviously when he was in Leinster as well that, that pushed him as well because you have this guy who's almost the the heir to the throne. And and that brings out the best in players. Hopefully, we see that response across the board from people like Conor Murray, who are under more pressure than ever with Ireland. So, listen, it's going to be fascinating and we'll return to Ireland definitely further down the line. But we know that Andy Farrell is going to be watching with interest this weekend. Before we go, Bernard, uh, predictions? I have a feeling I know which way the two of these are going.
1: Yeah, look at that. Based on last year's form, very simple. um, Leinster and Ulster. But having said that, this isn't... uh, a normal start of the season, and there's a lot of variables in terms of who made the most progress over over the last five months. But I'll, I'll stick to Len Strother.
0: Okay. Well, cheers for all that insight. Really enjoyed chatting to you, and enjoy being there. Yeah,
1: I'll talk to you next week. Take it easy.
0: Thanks to everyone else, obviously, as well. Enjoy the return of Irish rugby. We'll be back on Monday with some in-depth analysis of the two games on our Members podcast. You can join us at members.the42.ie if you want to get involved in that. And then we'll be back this time next week on the regular podcast too. So we'll catch you very soon either way. Cheers for listening. I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. If you're working as an accountant and you lose your job, nobody really notices.
1: Leinster could offer me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. <laughs> <It> <laughs> is Tommy
0: Robbie Robbie weekly.
1: Little reverse pass! Oh! Drive Magic! You're not alive, Holmes, so you start kicking when the room is spinning and the words aren't
0: sticking. And the radio on a
1: better run away like sin out a heart like a James Joyce novel.